the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Remember, that that's what we learn in Luke 2, 10 and 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. He's the Savior, the one who deals with your sin. He's the Messiah, the one chosen by God. He's the Lord, the boss. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Well, good morning, church. So glad you've chosen to worship today. Do me a favor, take your copy of God's Word and turn to one of the most familiar chapters in the Bible, Luke chapter 2. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 as we continue this series called Evergreen. Now, why are we calling this Christmas series Evergreen? What is that all about? When I think about Evergreen, I think of something that's unchanging. It's forever green. And that's what we're seeing, that God in his character is unchanging. And because of that, there are some unchanging truths that we can cling to as we journey through life. For example, we have unchanging hope, if all our hope is in Jesus, right? We have unchanging faith if we trust him in those things that we can't see. And today, we're going to see that we can have unchanging joy. But before I dive into that, I I think I need to give you a definition. You need to understand what joy is, because there may be some confusion. Is it just when things are going good in our life? When we feel all right? Is it happiness? This time last week, I was preaching in Argentina, and one of the messages that I I preached, I I came out like this. This is a a jacket from the Argentine soccer team, and well, there's a jersey underneath. And and when when I walked out on that stage, even though there were people from all over South America, man, they were really happy, and I just walked out, and they began to clap and cheer, and I was like, man, why didn't my church do that? But then I, I watched one of the games there, and I'm just telling you, if, if you are, are from the United States, if that's your nation of origin, we've missed out on something when it came, comes to the game of soccer or, or football. We don't have the national pride that the rest of the world seems to have around us. I mean, it was electric just being there, even just being in the country while the World Cup is going on. But, but then on Friday afternoon... I, I managed after a real busy day to come in and catch the very end of the the game of the World Cup where Argentina played the Netherlands. 
And it, it kind of came down to the wire, but I, I was able to see Messi score a goal. And man, he may be the goat in, in soccer. I mean, he, he is great. And he was so happy when he scored that goal. I, I think you can see that. And then I, I saw the team uh, score goals and, and they were so excited. They were so happy. Is, is that joy? No, it's happiness. You see, happiness comes from happenstance. It comes from the things that happen to us. But, but joy is different. Joy comes from within. Happiness is different from joy. Joy does not come from feelings based on what happens to us. Joy comes from a deep belief that Jesus is the one who can make all things new. And that's consistent with what we've been learning in the book of Romans, right? That, that we don't live just based on feelings. That, that we don't choose to believe in something based on what we feel. That's what society will teach you. If, if you feel like doing something, man, it's okay because you get to determine your own truth. But we say, no, we don't get to determine truth. That's outlined for us in Scripture. We have doctrine. We have theology. So we believe our way into our feelings. As followers of Christ, we don't feel our way into beliefs. We believe our way into feelings. So how does that help us understand this balance between happiness and joy? Well, um, have you ever been to the happiest place on earth? Well, that's what they call it. I mean, Disney. I, I can remember when we first moved here, the first time we were driving under that big arch going into Disney. And I mean, the kids were counting down in the car, five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Disney. And you're happy when you go in there. And then when you come out and you realize how much you spent, you're not happy anymore. But I, I did something just for fun. I, I Googled unhappy people at Disney. And it's amazing what you see. Not everybody at Disney is happy. So even, even the happiest place on earth doesn't necessarily bring happiness, nor does it bring joy. So, so what is joy? Years ago, I began to be influenced by a pastor in Southern California. He wrote what to this date has been the best-selling Nonfiction book other than the Bible of all time called The Purpose Driven Life. He's a pastor of a church, kind of like ours. His name's Rick Warren. It's real practical, just reminding us that, that, that God has a purpose for each of us. But he and his wife went through something traumatic several years ago. Their son in his late 20s took his life. And so they encountered something that no parent should ever deal with the loss of a child coming out of that pastor rick's wife Kay wrote a book called choose joy say that with me say choose joy, choose joy. that's what i'm going to ask you to do today and in that book she defined joy in a specific way listen to how she defines it joy is the settled assurance that god is in control of every detail of my life the quiet confidence that ultimately everything will be all right and the determined choice to praise God in all things. Did you catch that? It is the settled assurance 
the quiet confidence and the determined choice. It's something I believe, but it's also something I choose. And joy is a consistent theme throughout the Christmas story. So it's easy at this time of the year to, to remember that because of God and what he's done in the person of Jesus Christ, we can experience joy. So with that in mind, let's read through probably the most familiar words in all the Bible. The Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house in the line of David. And, and let me just stop there and tell you that this is a reminder Man, that God has always been working his plan. And so if, if we read through scripture, and, and some of you are like me, you're coming to the end of a, a year where you've read completely through the Bible. If you read through the Bible, you can see that God has always been working to bring about his presence in the life of his creation. That's, that's you and me. And that's what's remarkable about the Christmas story is, is that the events that we read about and, and that we really celebrate this time of year are something that God did for us throughout history. So let's pick up in, in, in verse 5. It's actually, yeah, verse 5. He, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I will bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. And if you can just zero in for a moment, that is what I want you to get. There is good news that brings great joy. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And notice what happens. Remember what we learned earlier about the shepherds? They were terrified. Now the shepherds return, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now let's rewind, and I want you to focus on verse 10. Look at verse 10 again. But, what's the but after? 
It's after we've just learned that the angels are, t- or the shepherds are terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. This is a simple message. In fact, it's a little different. Often in here, we're journeying through a passage of scripture uh, just verse by verse. We've been doing that in Romans. I mean, we may even get stuck on a word and just hang out there a little bit. This is a little more topical. We're looking at this chunk of scripture, but we're taking out this topic of joy and seeing how the Bible supports what we need to see there. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. You can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. And so there's a simple, a simple truth I want you to get. So if I were you, I would take pen or pencil or lipstick or mascara or Crayola or my thumbs on my device. And I would jot this down because it's easy. It's applicable. It's for you and me. Here it is. Don't be afraid. Choose joy. Isn't that easy? Let's say that together. Don't be afraid. Choose joy. One more time. Don't be afraid. Choose joy. Now, why would the angel say this? It's simple. You can't be fearful and joyful at the same time. If fear comes in the front door, joy goes out the back door. Distress is the opposite of delight in our lives. And so just in the Christmas story alone, we we see about seven times we're told, don't be afraid. Someone's done this study and they found out that at least 365 times in Scripture we're told, don't be afraid. At least once for every day, God's Word tells us, don't be afraid. Because fear robs us of joy. So what do we fear? Here's what I've learned. There are a lot of things we fear. We fear problems. We fear some people. We fear which path we should take. Where do I go? And, and we fear what's going to happen because of our past. And, and these things come into our life and we begin to leak joy. That, that's why the psalmist would have to pray, Oh God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And in the presence of that fear, of all that escape of joy, God is saying to us, don't be afraid. Choose joy. Now, this is not just a cliche or a happy thought. Why does it say that? Why shouldn't we be afraid? How should we choose joy? He answers in the scriptures. The angel told them, there is good news. Say that. Say, there is good news. There is good news. So I I began to think about this as I read this passage. Is this a consistent theme, this good news? 
Now, now we, we're told what the good news is, right? The angel told them, there in Bethlehem is born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So the good news is there's somebody coming that is helping you out. You have somebody who's going to save you. What did they need to be saved from? Same thing you and I need to be saved from. Sin. He, he was the Christ. That means he's God's chosen way. Aren't you thankful that God chooses a way for you? And then he's the Lord. You know what that means? He's like the king of kings. He is in control. So that's the good news. That's why they don't need to be afraid. That's why they should choose joy. So I begin to think, what about the other Christmas accounts? And I turn to the book of Matthew. And in Matthew, like Luke, we have a more detailed account of, of what takes place at Christmas. And so I started reading in Matthew chapter 2. And in verse 7, the, the, we've, we've learned about the wise men. And, and now they've gone to Herod because he summoned them. And it says this, Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. And so he sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And then verse 10 says, when they saw the star, they were what? Wow. It's that word again. And then I thought, hold on, did you catch it? It's Matthew 2.10. In Luke 2.10, I was told that the shepherds don't need to be afraid. They need to have great joy because there's good news. Now in Matthew 2.10, I found out that even the wise men, when they go and walk toward Jesus, they find joy. Now I was on to something. There are four Gospels. And I began to wonder. Now, Mark's different and, and John's different. They don't give us the detailed account of this. So I wonder what happens in the book of Mark when, it, when we get to chapter 2 and, and verse 10. Now, in, um, in Mark chapter 2, Jesus has already begun to minister. And he's already begun to heal people. And he heals someone. And then in Mark 2.10, it says this, I, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then it hit me. Oh, wait a second. That was the good news that brings great joy. In Luke 10.2, that was the person who made the wise men overjoyed in Matthew 10.2. And then I thought, holy cow, I wonder what John Two is going to say. Now, I knew John is not typically where we read the Christmas story because John begins like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, and so we try to wrap our mind about that. And, man, you jump into John, and, and Jesus is an adult, and he's performing miracles. In fact, in John 2, I knew that that's where we have the first miracle of Jesus. What's the first miracle of Jesus? He went to a wedding. There was a big party. Everybody was having fun until they ran out of wine. And then they came to Jesus, and... He turned water into wine, and it amazed everybody. And so then in John 2, 10, it says this. Typically, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you, Jesus, have saved the best till now. And, and, and then I just begin to think and smile. You know, that's why I can have joy 
Because Jesus really does want me to experience his best. In spite of what's going on around me, in spite of the people that may frustrate me, in spite of the uncertainty of where I'm going, in spite of the past that I've experienced, Jesus really does want me to find his best for my life. So I don't need to be afraid. I can choose joy. You know, what about you? Have you chosen joy? I think the fear that gets us most, I really think the fear that is the greatest is that fear that causes us to think maybe we won't be with God. So so before I give you some real practical application, I just want to remind you that that's the heart of the good news. In Romans, we learned that the Bible tells us that we're all sinners. Right? That's Romans 3.23. All of us have sinned and we've missed out on God's design. We've fallen short. No matter how good you are, no matter how bad you are, we are all sinners. And then in Romans 6.23, we learned that the, the payment, the wages, the punishment of sin is death. And then in Romans 5 and verse 8, we learned that even though there's that punishment for sin, God doesn't want us to experience that. So it says God demonstrate his love and that even though I'm still a sinner, Christ died for me. And then in Romans 10 and verse 9, it, it tells me that if I would confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, I'll be saved. And then in verse 13, it even says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved When I think through that, I realize, wow, that is good news. So the greatest fear that I could ever have, the the biggest thing that I would worry about, I don't have to fear. I don't have to be afraid. I can choose joy. And if I can choose joy in light of that, I can choose joy in light of anything. So... I want to invite you to do something simple, and then we're going to dive in, and and I'm going to teach you a little bit today that I think will help you. But I want to invite you to apply the 210 principle, right? Luke 210 was, uh, don't be afraid, choose joy. Matthew 210 was, they were overjoyed. Mark 210 reminds that God forgives us of our sins, so if he does that, we can find joy in anything. John 2.10 reminds us that his best is available for us. So let's do this. What if, at least for this week, every afternoon at 2.10 p.m., we pause and we just pray this. Jesus, regardless of the circumstances around me, I choose joy. Now, I'm about to catch you off guard because I'm going to ask you to make a commitment earlier in the service than I normally do. Because this is so practical. It's the 210 principle. I'm going to ask you, if you would join me, maybe you just set a notification on your phone, a reminder, and say at 210 every day, I'm going to pause and I'm going to pray. Jesus, regardless of the circumstances, I choose joy. All right, who will make that commitment right now? Let me see your hands. All right, there's a few of you saying, no, I'm going to choose misery, but that's okay. Um, let, me, let me pray for all of us real quick. So, Father, again, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for the chance to choose joy. 
oh God, um, I, I, I know, Lord, that journey through those second chapter and tenth verses of the gospel, that, that's probably silly, but what's not silly is the, the reality that, that you give us reason for joy. Jesus, because you've come, you, you've taken away the reasons for fear. So, Lord, I just pray as we talk through this for these next few minutes that you provide some miracles of joy. Let my words be your words, my thoughts be your thoughts. And, and Lord, as a result of what we're going to say, would you allow somebody to experience the joy of knowing you today? And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If, in fact, it's possible for us to lose joy, we need to know what causes that, right? If you're, if you're driving down the road and, and you notice your air, your tire keeps losing air, you want to find out what's causing that. If we keep losing joy, we want to find out what causes that. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.